This year, what we've experienced um, collectively as a people around the globe is, is a loss of presence, right? We, through, through COVID um, and, and forced isolation and distancing from others, uh, we, we've lost presence. We've lost being with one another. Uh, grandparents who haven't been able to, to hug and kiss their grandkids in a year. Um, people who haven't been able to, to hold and welcome a new baby into um, their extended family. We have some of you um, who it's been over a year since you've been able to be around your, your elderly parents. We've got kids um, who miss their friends, some of whom they can't even remember playing with because it's been so long. As, as a faith community, as a church, uh, we've, we've lost the, the presence of being around one another, of lifting up our, our voices in worship to the Lord, of receiving communion together as the body of Christ, of, of gathering together in homes, in small groups, and Bible studies, of volunteering alongside one another, we've we've lost so much presence. Um, even just the the presence of strangers in a crowded place, of brushing your shoulders up against someone in a crowded museum or coffee shop, or as you're walking around a shopping center, we've we've lost presence this last year. But I think if we're being completely honest. Um, there is a lot of, of presence that was missing long before COVID. That, that as a people, as a society, um, we had a hunger for a long time now, a hunger to, to be in the presence of other people, to, to be the focus of someone's attention and to give our focus to them. We've, we've been a people who, who have been distracted by busy calendars and schedules, people who have been distracted by electronic devices and technology. We might be a people who are very well connected, um, but I think the, the, the gift of presence, of, of sitting face to face with someone, of, of gathering with with friends and neighbors and strangers around a table, looking each other eye to eye and, and sharing our lives together. That's been something that, that as a culture, I think we have been hungry for and we have been longing to, to have in our lives. And I think ultimately what we have been, been longing for is this, this being known and knowing someone. And it's a, it's a hunger and it's a longing that, that has been given to us. It's been formed within us as people who are formed in the image of God. Because we serve a God who is triune, a God who is one, uh, but is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, a God who lives in community, who has existed in community for all of eternity. And he has placed something of that within us, that we are a people who long to be in community, who long to know and be known. And I think ultimately the, the longing that is, is at the, the heart of us, the longing that's in our souls is to, to know God and to be known by Him, to enjoy the presence of God in our lives. 
the presence of, of the creator and a friend who stays beside us, who doesn't abandon or reject us, who loves us and cares for us. We as a humanity have been birthed with a longing for the presence of God in our lives. This morning, we're going to, to look together at at the, the idea of, of God's presence, the idea of God's faithful presence with us. And to, to anchor our time together, um, we're gonna be looking at um, the beginning of the story in Genesis and the end of the story, or, or really the, the new beginning in Revelation. And in Revelation, really, we're, that's gonna be the passage that anchors our time together. Uh, but the reality is that when we look at Genesis and we look at Revelation, what we see on display is a God who has been and will be present with creation and present to humanity. And so we see in, in Genesis, in the, the first pages of scripture, we get the account of, of the Spirit of God hovering over a void and formless earth. And the Spirit of God, as he's hovering over, has creative power and is able to just speak and light emerges, to speak and the world emerges, to speak and life itself emerges. And here we have the, the presence of God hovering over the world, using his creative energy to speak life into existence. And then just pages later, we get uh, another beautiful account of God creating the world. And here we get slightly different language. Instead of a hovering presence that speaks life into existence, we find God like a gardener in Eden. And here he is playing with the dirt and out of the dirt forming humanity and breathing life into humanity's lungs. And then this same gardener God who forms humanity begins to plant seeds, begins to plant trees and bushes and flowers, all that bring life into the garden. And so we see a, a intimate presence of God in the world that God is, is close, that God gets in and gets dirty as he is forming and creating life. A God who is so close that, that he walks in this garden with humanity that he has formed. But then we know what happens, right? We know that, um, that the, the first humans, that Adam and Eve, they they reject God and his, his presence. And so God sends them out of the Garden of Eden and they no longer have access to the, the place where the fullness of God's presence is on display and available to them always. And so there is the, the beginning of God's presence in creation. And then if we flip all the way to the back of the Bible, to Revelation chapter 21, we get another account of a God who longs to be present with his creation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and old earth had disappeared. 
And the sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne, saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. God is here in this, this new city, this, this new heaven and earth that he is creating, that he has created, and God dwells there. He lives there. His presence is there to be with his people. He longs to be their God and for them to be his children. And God renews all things and wipes away death and pain and sorrow. The author David Fitch writes it this way, this is the goal of God's redemptive work, that we will be restored along with all of creation to be with God and he with us. His presence will flood the new heaven and earth, and everything will be made new. The scriptures from the beginning to the end tell the marvelous story of God returning his presence to all creation. It always was God's intent to be with his creation in the fullness of his presence. And so we see from the the garden to this new eternal city that God is present. He was present walking in the garden and he is present in the city. In the beginning and the end, God is present. His faithful presence is there for his people. And what accompanies God's presence? It's, It's life. It's newness of life, it's it's redemption, it's wholeness, it's freedom from oppression, it's it's renewal of all things. And God will be there in our midst, filling every space like the sun, filling the world with light. And so we see these these pictures in this, really the bookends of scripture, this picture of a God who longs to be present with his people and a God who has faithfully been present and will faithfully be present to creation. And so it really is that, that between these bookends, between Genesis and Revelation, we continue to see history unfolding And as it unfolds, we see that God has continued to be present to the world. And so we get the story of of Abraham and, and God shows up to him, displays his presence to Abraham and makes this promise to him that, that Abraham would have a family and this family would become a great people. 
and that it would be through this family and this people that God would bless the entire world, that all nations would be blessed through this one family, and that, that through this people, God would uniquely show his presence and display his presence to the world around. And then this, this people ends up being enslaved in Egypt by Pharaoh. And God makes his presence known to a man named Moses in a, in a burning bush on a hillside. And he goes with Moses, he sends his presence with Moses. And, and as he does, he brings liberation to his people who have been in bondage. And Moses then comes with the people of God out of the land of slavery and into the wilderness. And there he goes to, to once again um, meet with God, uh, to be present with God on a mountaintop. And as he does, meanwhile, back down on, on the, the lowlands, uh, the people of God are rebelling against him. And so God tells Moses that he is going to, to withdraw his presence from his people. And Moses pleads with him. He pleads with him and says, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us from here. How will people know us as your people if we don't have your presence with us? Moses knew that without the presence of God, that that there was nothing, uh, there was nothing to, to cause them to be a people and that they didn't want to move into the promised land that God had, had given to them if God wasn't the one going with them. Moses realized that the true gift was not a promised land, but the true gift was God's presence with his people. And so as, as the people of God are wandering around in the wilderness, um, God is present with them and has the people form, uh, build a tabernacle, a, a tent that he could dwell in, that his presence could reside in at the center of their encampment, a tent that could be carried with them as they traveled through the wilderness. And then when they finally enter into the promised land and are established there in their new land as God's people, uh, God's people build him a permanent dwelling place. They build him a temple. And as, as they dedicate that temple to the Lord, his presence descends upon the temple in powerful and a tangible way. And his presence resided there at the heart, at the center of of Israel's life and everything revolved around the temple their calendar revolved around it people would come to the temple to to be in God's presence to be reconciled in his presence to pray in his presence to to offer sacrifices and offerings in his presence and God was faithfully there present with his people but, but over the course of years and centuries, uh, God continued to, to speak to his people through his prophets and, and calling them to give up the ways of, of other gods and, and idols that they had been worshiping. And he calls them through his prophets to stop um, oppressing the poor and the stranger among them, but instead to embrace justice and mercy. 
And eventually, after, after God pleading with his people over and over and over again, in Ezekiel, we get uh, the story of God removing his presence from the temple, removing his presence from his people. Uh, but then later on in this same book, through the words of the prophet Ezekiel, God promises that, that one day, one day he would give his spirit to his people, that, that he wouldn't just be dwelling in a tabernacle or in a temple, but his very spirit would be with all people and he would be their God and they would be his people. Like the words in Revelation 21. And eventually, over the course of years, um, as people are waiting for the fulfillment of this promise, we get the story of, of a young woman, Mary, who is pregnant. And she gives birth and names this child Jesus one who would be Emmanuel, God with us, the fulfillment of God's promise throughout scripture that he would be present with his people. And so God's presence is here on earth in the person of Jesus Christ. God came to, to dwell amongst his people once again. And Jesus lived a life where he uh, gave, gave voice and testimony to the kingdom of God. And he was killed, he was crucified, buried and raised again to life. And he was victorious over sin and death and evil. And then he ascended to the Father to reign as the rightful ruler over all of creation. God had been faithful, faithful and faithfully present throughout history to redeem, to reconcile, to renew all things and to reign as the ruler over all. And this was accomplished in Jesus Christ. And it will be fully revealed and, and fully consummated in the end, as we read about in Revelation 21. That's the, the promise that God gave that that his rule and reign and presence would be fully made known and visible to all of creation. And so we live in the, the in-between, the in-between time where Jesus is the rightful ruler of all, sitting at the, the right hand of the Father, um, but he has not yet come back so that his reign, his rule, his presence would be made fully visibly known to all of creation. And so what happens in the in-between? What happens in the in-between while we're still waiting for the fullness of God's presence to be made known amongst us? Well, Jesus promised his disciples that, that when he left, when he would leave to, to ascend to the Father, that he wouldn't be withdrawing his presence from creation. He wouldn't be withdrawing his presence from humanity, but instead he promised that he wouldn't abandon them, that he wouldn't leave them as orphans, but instead that he would send his spirit into the world. 
And, and so Jesus fulfilled his promise and he, he breathes his spirit upon his followers and his spirit is released into the world uh, to, to exponentially um, display God's presence amongst us. And so it is through God's people that, that his Holy Spirit fills each one of us and that as his presence fills us, he is present to the world around us. And so God doesn't withdraw his presence, but he pours out his presence upon all of his people. God is still at work in the world in the in-between, making all things new, bringing everything under the reign of Jesus Christ. And the incarnation of Jesus, that reality of, of Jesus uh, dwelling here in creation, continues through the Holy Spirit in the church, through the Holy Spirit in Jesus's followers. God's Spirit is given to believers and then he sends this new people into the world so that we would be present to the world and that he would be present in and through us. Jesus's presence is now extended exponentially around creation and, and his presence is made visible through this people empowered and filled by the Holy Spirit. One author writes it this way, God reigns over the whole world, but it is amongst a people in a place submitted to his rule over their lives that his reign becomes visible. That is where God's reign becomes visible, that the, the invisible work that God is doing all around us, that, that not all of creation is aware of, they're now made aware through God's people, through his church. And as this new people live out their new lives in the power of the Spirit, the reality of Jesus' presence and his kingdom is made visible to the world around us. People have, have written and talked about the fact that, that the church is now a, a sign, a foretaste, and an instrument of God's kingdom and his presence in the world. The church is a sign of, of God's presence and his kingdom because the church points to the fact that God, God's redemptive reign has begun in Jesus Christ. And as a church filled with God's spirit uh, and his presence, we get to, to point others to the reality that God's reign and rule has begun in the world. And the church is also a foretaste or a preview, an appetizer, um, a taste of what is to come. That we as a church, we know the, the characteristics of God's kingdom, especially like what's written in Revelation 21 of, of pain and sorrow and death being wiped away and people having an abundance of, 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 of life. And so if, as a people, we know what God's kingdom and what the fullness of his presence looks like and the, the, the outpouring of that around us, then we get to be a foretaste of that. We get to help other people taste and see the goodness of God in the here and now. 
and the church is also an instrument in God's hand, that it's actually through the church that God is doing much of this work of, of his kingdom and his presence in the world, his renewing of, of life and his, um, his rule and his reign in the world. It, it happens through the instrument of the church. And so God makes visible the invisible reality of his presence through the church. He is active and working all around, redeeming, renewing, and we together are that sign, that foretaste, and that instrument of God's kingdom and his presence, that presence that brings about the renewal of all things. And this is the beautiful invitation that, that we have all been extended to be a part of this new people of God, uh, this new people that God has formed in Jesus Christ, a people who have been entrusted with his spirit to give visible expression to his life-giving reign in the world. And this is what we'll explore more in the upcoming weeks in this sermon series that we're calling A Faithful Presence. We're gonna to explore together what it looks like for us as the church to be a visible expression of God's presence in the world, to be a sign, a foretaste, and the instrument of God's kingdom. But before we can talk more about being a faithful presence to the world and in our neighborhoods, the first step must always be to learn how to be present to the God who has throughout history always been faithfully present to us. We cannot be a sign, a foretaste, or an instrument of God's presence in his kingdom if we as a people are not first present to him. We can do great things in and of ourselves. Um, we, can, we can do good things in the world around us, but we will never be an expression of God's redeeming and renewing presence if we are not first present to him. Apart from him, we cannot be a, a tangible expression of his presence. And so this is why we're called as the people of God to, to gather to worship. Um, as a people, to be present to the God who has been present to us. To, to be recalibrated as we come together to worship. To notice the God of the universe in and among us. To pay attention to his presence. To worship in his presence. And to be changed in his presence. When the reality of, of Monday through Sunday tells us the story that God is absent from the world, when the, the story of our own individual lives tells us that, that God is absent, when we look at the, the stories of the world around us and the news unfolding around us, uh, the, the story that's being told Monday through Sunday is that God is absent and that his renewing presence isn't at work. But we come together on Sundays as the people of God to rehearse a different story, to rehearse a story that says that God has always been faithfully present from the beginning of history to the end, and that God will redeem and renew all things, and that his presence will be fully, visibly, tangibly made known to the entire world. 
And so we, we come together to rehearse this story. And we can also learn to be aware of God's presence, not only when we're um, gathered together, whether online or in person worshiping, um, we can also learn to be aware of God's presence as we're scattered throughout the week. And so I, I wanna ask you this morning, if you would commit to two things with me as we think about being present to God, being present to the God who has always been faithfully present to us, would you commit to gathering weekly with the church of God? And I know right now in COVID, our, our ability to, to gather together in person um, is, is a challenge and is not always available. Um, but I would ask you to commit to whether it's in person or online during this season, that you would gather with the people of God weekly so that we can learn to be present to the God who is present to us. And then the second thing that I want to, to ask you to commit to would be setting aside a period of time every day of the week that you would be present to God, that you would be paying attention and listening and looking for the presence of the Lord. And, and this might happen through, through different forms of prayer, uh, through scripture reading and meditation, um, through other spiritual readings, through music and worship, through, through art, through nature, through writing or journaling, um, in having discussions uh, about the Lord with other believers. As we intentionally set aside time in our, our daily lives to, to be present with God, we can begin to grow in our awareness of His presence all around us. And so that it won't just be in these moments where we're intentionally maybe reading scripture or praying that we notice God is present. But I think that what will happen as we're training ourselves through gathering to worship and through setting aside time each day to be present to the Lord, we're actually training our eyes and our ears, our hearts and our minds to be aware of God's presence um, throughout the entire rest of our days. It's like when you're, you're dreaming of buying a new car and you've picked out the make and the model and maybe even the color that you wanna buy. And then suddenly you begin to see that same car all around you in the parking lot of the grocery store, going down the freeway, um, headed to work, or driving by your house in your neighborhood. Um, all of a sudden you, you notice and, and are aware of that car. And it's not because you have made um, that car appear. That car was, was always around. You just now have trained yourself to notice and to be aware. I think that, that gradually more and more of our days and, and our, our weeks will be filled with an awareness of God's presence when we intentionally set aside time to be present with Him. And, and now our eyes will be trained to see Him at work all around us in our interactions with others, in our conversations, um, in our work, in our efforts, in our caring for others, in, in even our rest and enjoyment of life, in our pains and our disappointments, in loss, in 
the most mundane and the most extraordinary of life circumstances, we will find that, that in all of these, these life circumstances, they're all canvases uh, for God's presence, his, his life-giving, redeeming, renewing presence to be made beautifully, visibly known, not only to us, but to the world around us. And so would you join me in making this commitment to, to stepping into the presence of God with his people weekly and to, to setting aside time every day to intentionally be present to the God who has always been faithfully present to us.